Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. John and Ken Show, John Cobelt and Ken Shampo. It's KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Bye, welcome on in. We'll have plenty of news on the Russia-Ukraine war, the invasion coming up in a few minutes. Of course, a lot of focus in this country beyond what's happening to the poor Ukrainians, particularly the civilians. Has also been the shock at the rising gas prices just over the last uh, couple of weeks or so. Even over the last few days, they have just uh, ballooned. We'll have more on that, but we'll get a full report right now from Alex Stone, ABC News for KFI. Alex. Hey there, guys. Yeah, and it's uh, since we talked on, I think we were talking about gas prices on Friday. It's uh, It's gotten a lot worse. And oil today, right now, about $121 a barrel. Weren't you saying uh, on Friday if it got to $118 a barrel, there were economists saying that that would potentially push us into a recession? Yeah, and, because it, yeah. it's doubled in a very short period of time. Yeah, we're way beyond that now. It's $110 a barrel on Friday and $93 about two weeks ago. So we're well into record territory. And a Gas Buddy today, they're reporting uh, that, that we have now broken the all-time average of four bucks a gallon nationwide we would love that in california but nationally four bucks and there's no end in sight to it that, that today with the oil prices it's bad and it's going to get worse that we know with certainty that based on the these oil prices that uh the, the gas prices are just going to keep going up and that uh, talks patrick dahan over gas buddy today and he's saying and just now has also set a new all-time record high, the highest price of gasoline ever recorded in the U.S. Then add to that a new record today for how quickly gas prices have gone up. So not only the, the overall price, but how quickly they're going up. That uh, The, the uh, one-week record was after Hurricane Katrina, and now we have wiped that one out, and now it is this week. From 2005, gas prices back then shot up 49 cents a gallon in a seven-day window that had been the largest increase, and it came at a time that the nation was devastated by Hurricane Katrina. The nation has now eclipsed that level. Now, here's the thing. We are paying prices right now based on pre-invasion to right around the invasion. It takes a couple of weeks for gas prices to once they refine the oil and and then actually get it out to the pumps 
for that price to be passed along. So based on where oil is right now, back then it was at about $93 a barrel, now at $121 a barrel, we know that a lot more pain is coming up. The other unknown in this whole thing is if we cut off Russian exports or if they cut them off to hurt us, then what's going to go on? And he's saying we're going to pay a lot more. We don't know what the impact will be. It will get a lot worse in California and elsewhere. And, and you know, at least my thought was, well, that Americans would say, no, don't do that. That, that Yeah, it's bad over there, but don't do it. But we're hearing from a lot of folks today who are filling up who say, look, to become energy independent and not rely on, on Russian oil, rip off the Band-Aid. We got to do this. That the now is the time to do it, even if we have to pay a whole lot more. Listen to these folks. My honest answer is yes. I think Germany and the United States should cut uh, their ties with, you know, the Russian oil. And, you know, for the time being, I think it would be a reasonable sacrifice to pay more at the pump and maybe lower other local taxes. I would support Ukraine. Um, well, I want to be energy dependent anyway. So uh, if it means cutting off, you know, at some point you got to do it anyway. So I, I say go ahead and cut it off now and support Ukraine. So we all hate the, the higher prices and uh, cringe at, at where it would go if we did that. But a lot of Americans are saying, hey, let's uh, more domestic oil production, hopefully would then pick up uh, some of that slack that if we're going to do it, then the now's the time we do it. Is there any sense that the oil companies are taking advantage of this and, you know, jack it up another 50 cents a gallon? Just there are good. some who believe that. Yeah. And the White well, House today said they're beginning to talk to Saudi Arabia about OPEC. And is there anything they can do? But you could make the argument that this is not bad for them or the U.S. oil companies, that, that they are making more money off of it. Now, you do get to an area where uh, they can't do it too much. Then demand goes down and well, then it goes the, the other way. I don't know but, if you know this, but why do some stations sell it for seven bucks in the city of L.A.? We we have photos that listeners have sent us. We put a couple yeah, on our social media. Yeah, more expensive anyway. Uh, and the but gas seven? station owners they'll they'll tell you that they they've got to make overhead, they've got to pay rent, they've got to to do everything. Most of them though will tell you they don't make much money off of of selling gas. It's when you go into the store and you buy something in there. But those that are way above, you have to assume that they're helping to pay for the the bottom line as well that way because if this one is seven dollars and the one down the street is 550 you can't imagine that they've got that bad of a deal with chevron or shell or whoever it is that they're paying that much more case by case i don't know but but it does make sense when you look at big sur right now about eight dollars a gallon there it costs more to get it there but when it's in la and it's one down the street from the other not a uh, not a real good answer the other thing guys is the, the White House today saying not only Saudi Arabia, but Venezuela as well, that now we're talking about maybe unfreezing our embargoes on them to, to get their oil. They are friends of Putin. They are Putin allies. They're indicating they would be selling, willing to sell us their oil. Maybe at some point that'll change if Russia tells them not to, but that's one other option out there. Kind of interesting that, that we've got so many issues with them and their government and their leadership. This is where it comes down to where we say, well, you know yeah. what? We can let all that go. We want your oil. Maybe that would <laughs> help bring down prices as well. But but still, it comes back to that domestic oil. And today, the White House said, well, we still we want to get away from fossil fuels. And I think you got a lot of Americans saying that may be great. But right now, we've we got to do something. It's impossible. I don't understand this insistence. It is impossible to live in modern life without burning gas and oil. It's simply... 
Well, especially outside of California. We we see a lot of Teslas on the road, but you talk to somebody in, in Oklahoma or Kansas, and they'll tell you no, that no. that's not a normal thing that, that they see everywhere. That, that We have the infrastructure to make it slightly more possible in California, not for everything. But even then, it's only a couple of yeah, percent of the cars. It, but and then you think of... The average American and what they can buy, they can't go out and spend 120 grand on a Tesla. And somebody's going to say, yeah, but they're cheaper now. Yeah, but even if you go for the cheaper one, you're going to be out the door for what? 60 grand by the time you, you do everything that, that you got to do. I don't, I don't think most people understand how little uh, a median income is in this country. I mean, yeah. a, medium, a median family with a husband and a wife working is Making maybe sixty, sixty-five thousand a year. That a Gross. fifteen or eighteen thousand dollar car—that's a lot. And yeah. you put gas in that car. That's that's not electric. People keep their cars. The average car on the road right now is has been on the road for eleven years. I, it 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 is the second biggest purchase that a family makes outside of their house, and they keep their cars a long time. Because they simply can't afford to buy a new one every two years. Well, that's why there are six-year loans on them and seven-year yeah. loans uh, available now. We know from Northern California where they're saying that the the market, uh, secondary market especially, for uh, used uh, uh, electric cars right now through the roof, and that people are willing to pay ten grand more, fifteen grand more. But again, that, that that's a Bay Area crowd that can do that's, that. They're rich. The, the average American can't say, you know what? I don't like what's happening with gas prices or with Ukraine right now. I'm going to go out and spend an extra fifteen grand on top of whatever Joe Schmo is asking for their Tesla. Well, they can't. Right now. They got to they got to save money to send their kids to college. Yeah, just uh, so the the whole thing about uh, well, we need to go that way. Yeah, in the long run, that that would be great. But in this moment, this could be a real midterm issue. Uh, a real uh, next presidential uh, election issue that uh, the average middle American is saying, look, 100 bucks every time I go and fill up my, my pickup truck, and, and that just doesn't work. And by the way, there was a rumor running around that there might be shortages at gas stations. Is there any truth to that? I, I haven't seen it, no. I, it, we're not getting reports of any of that anywhere. All right, thanks, Alex. You got it. Thanks, guys. Alex Stone, ABC News for KFI on the incredible run-up in gas prices. More coming up. John and Ken, KFI. John and Ken Show. John Cobell and Ken Shampoo, KFI. AM640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Well, we're talking about the uh, escalating gas prices. And, uh, of course, everyone thinks about them driving to and from work or wherever they drive their car. But this has an effect in many other sectors of the economy. Well, every- Airfares are going up. And every single product that gets delivered by a truck. Exactly. That's going to cost you more. And, of course, there's all the services that drive people like Uber and Lyft and some of the car companies. Uh, They talked to one guy who's got 12 drivers and 12 luxury SUVs in his fleet. Basically, it's people that go to the airports. And he says that his drivers are filling up at least once a day, paying around $2,500 a month for gas. That means his well, company could be paying out three hundred and sixty grand a year just on gasoline. So he's had to add a surcharge to people's bills. He says, I hate surcharges, but I have to tell people that the times right now demand that I have to do something to make up some of this uh, skyrocketing gas prices. Well, this is going to become an economic emergency because this is going to send the country into a recession. People are going to stop traveling as much. They're going to stop buying things. Well, they got because to. Because you get you hit a point where you can't afford it anymore. You know, all the stimulus money has has uh, is gone. 
all, all those extra fake checks that the government was sending. People are now going to have to live on their real incomes, not the inflated incomes. And they simply can't afford it. I, I, I mean, Biden has got his head up his rear end and all these idiot green people. I mean, like, get off it. It doesn't work. Get off it. They should open up the Keystone Pipeline. I know it'll take a few months, but a few months from now, we're going to have $10 gas. So whenever it's ready to go, it's ready to go. And then start drilling, start fracking, start doing everything. Start acting like a bunch of adults. And stop acting like you're, you're Miss America candidates praying for a perfect world. It's not going to happen. Uh, oh, and by the way, you used to say, because you used to complain about this, that uh, you'd hit a credit limit at the gas station. Isn't that happening to people? How much do they adjust them so that, you know, yeah, you they gotta, don't stop you at a $75 charge or something? You've got to put in sometimes a credit card twice. Oh, they, is that what you do? You put it in twice? Well, it depends. If I get close enough to filling up the tank, then no. But now, you know, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it's some. They used to have seventy-five dollar credit limits. Then it went up to a hundred. But now, if it's going to cost one hundred and twenty-five to fill your tank, yeah, you got to put the card in twice. Because because the the dope working the window, he doesn't know what to do. You could say, hey, why do you have the credit limit at a hundred? Okay. There's no point in complaining to the manager. So the uh, dopey transportation secretary, Pete Buttigieg, trotted out today and said, oh, I have the answer. Get an electric car. He's another silly child. Electric cars are unaffordable for most people. There's also nowhere to charge them on the road. He says that Joe Biden has a $5 billion plan to bolster America's electric charging network. Well, it's not here. Yeah, it's it doesn't exist. Yeah, it's, it's, it's probably part of that uh, stupid build back better thing, which is never going to pass. Look, they live in a fantasy world. In a fantasy world, they have everybody driving electric scooters around. But in our world, you see very few electric charging stations. Very few. It takes a long time for most cars to charge. Hours. And the range is limited. That's why they don't sell. Very, very well, because they're too expensive. The range is limited, and it, it takes too long to charge. And and it doesn't matter how many how much silly uh, cheerleading Buttigieg does. You know, he could start waving all his uh, cute little pom poms there. It's it doesn't change the reality for most people. And he wouldn't know. And none of these guys know because they've never had to they never had to live a middle class blue collar life or a poor a uh, poor person life. They don't know what it's like. It's very difficult. He also encouraged people to ride the buses. Oh, F him and his buses. <laughs> Honestly, would you stop it? There aren't any buses in most places. And he touted the Biden administration's efforts to get more electric buses out there. That's, that's, oh. that's another non sequitur. None of this stuff makes any sense. It's not relevant. It's He's not going to help people right n- now. None, I- none of this will help anybody you know, in 100 years. N- n- this is all fantasy nonsense. This is what's wrong with ideologues. Ideologues just have, you know, the playbook in front of them and they read the same garbage over and over again. And whether it works or not or is realistic or not, it doesn't matter. It's like, this is what we believe. It's, it's, it's like, shut the F up. Go I thought this would be this, this gas price run-up would be their dream because it might make people consider uh, something else. Well, it actually, yes. That's what they're hoping for. That's why they're not doing anything to stop it. They think finally they're going to force people out of their cars. That's not going to happen. There are no alternatives to automobiles. There are none. Zero. 
Only little children think there are alternatives. There's there's no alternatives. So No, there's nothing to get the job done. No, no you can't get to work. You simply can't do all your daily uh, routines without a car. It's impossible. So what's going to happen is people are going to cut down their discretionary driving on the weekends. Well, that's going to that's going to crush the economy. If travel stops, tourism stops, people enjoying themselves on weekends. Oh yeah, all the road know, trips people. The take. road trips are are going to take. Uh, they, you know, that'll stop. Then you know people in hotels will lose their job. People at restaurants will lose their job. People who work in entertainment venues like Disneyland, same thing. It throws it throws the whole economy into reverse again after we're all closed down because of their idiot uh, COVID rules. So now we're going to have idiot gas prices because stupid Biden, that bumbling fool, doesn't open up the spigots and start producing gas and 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 oil like crazy. We should use every single tool we have to pump out more oil everywhere we can. And oh, occasional a, cortex will come after him if yeah, he does that. You know what? Then send her to Ukraine. Send her to Ukraine. Send her to Ukraine, yeah. I, that's what I'm saying. She doesn't. She's a, she's a, she's a two bit silly bartender from a from a tiny district in Queens. I, I don't want to hear about her stupid ideas. Okay, single one of the most irritating people in public life, and she knows nothing. She knows absolutely nothing. She's not responsible for anything. All right, she's a silly single girl bouncing around. She's not somebody who has had a family, had a house, responsibilities. She doesn't know what she's talking about. People should stop listening to her. This you crowd know. in Congress think that's who got Biden elected. Us progressives, us well, woke they're, people. they're out of business in November. They're you out of business. Toe the line to our policies. They're so stupid. They're going to get voted out in the biggest bloodbath you've ever seen in an election. Nobody thinks so. Vote. Yes, absolutely. She's not going to get voted out though. Well, she won last time it, easily. It doesn't matter. She'll be in the minority. She'll she'll be shouting into the wind. She'll have no uh, leverage. The, the Republicans will have massive majorities in, in in the House and Senate. They're going to have big majorities, and Biden is going to be a eunuch for the next two years. He's, he's going to be uh, swinging on the swing, spitting up into his blanket. Oh. It's going to be over. So what, what is what is it now? It's uh, March. He's got uh, eight months before uh, the whole thing comes crashing down. Oh, the next elections? Yeah. All right, coming up next, uh, we have a pretty good idea why uh, Russia has been moving very slowly in its huge convoy of military trucks trying to make their way into Kiev. That and more coming up. John and Ken, KFI. John and Ken Show. John Cobalt, Ken Shampoo, KFI, AM640. Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. So there was a uh, another round of talks between Ukraine's government representatives and Russia's, but... Uh, not much has come about that. What we learned over the weekend and into today is that these uh, safe civilian evacuation routes may not really exist. That no. the Russian shelling has continued and sometimes they hit civilian targets who are out trying to evacuate. There was a family, they even had their luggage with them, that got shelled over the weekend as they were trying to cross the street. No, it's a trap. It was, it was, it was a trap. They're intentionally killing civilians. That, that's that's his uh, that's his plan. That's what he's done for twenty years. Yeah, he kills people. He, he actually got away with it for a long time because we weren't paying attention. But he has committed a lot of bloody, murderous rampages. He invaded Chechnya, Chechnya twice. Thousands of people died. He invaded Georgia. 
invaded the uh, you know Ukraine several times. I mean, I mean, it's 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 unbelievable the murderous past he has, and nobody here has cared. In fact, there's a good percentage of the Republicans in this country who would admire him. You know, I I don't get that. That crowd is is baffling to me. There was a uh, story over the weekend from Yahoo News and their senior White House correspondent, Alexander Nazarian, who went back to 1999 to talk about apartment bombings. The first apartment building to come down was in Bunyask, a Russian town on the border with the breakaway Republic of Chechnya, where Islamic insurgents had fought the Kremlin to a standstill in a brutal two-year war. This is back in 1999. They were thought to be responsible for the bomb, which had been placed inside a car, ripped through the building, housing Russian border guards. 64 people died. Five days later, another bomb was detonated in the basement of an apartment building in a uh, section of working-class Moscow. 106 people were killed. And then a final bomb went off in a southern city where 17 people died. More than 300 people died in these apartment bombings. And many people believe that changed the Russian government. Because the country's new prime minister was a former intelligence agent who was utterly unknown to most Russians. That was Vladimir Putin. And uh, the prime minister vowed to find the Chechen insurgents, who he said doubtlessly committed the bombings. The Kremlin would not rest until the perpetrators were brought to justice. We'll wipe them out. That was Putin speaking. Now, apparently, this is when he started to get a grip on the country because at the time... The president was, remember Boris Yeltsin, who was, it says here, increasingly frequently drunk at public events. Yeah. So some began to see Yeltsin uh, time for a change and looked as Putin as this strong leader. But the story goes on and sort of reminds you of 9-11, that there are people that believe that these apartment bombings may have been done by an insider in the Russian government, that it may have been a plot to sow unrest for a possible change in leadership. Yeltsin stepped down on December 31st, 1999, appointing Putin as his successor. And, and Putin uh, may have arranged the bombings of the apartments so he could take over. Because Yeltsin was so feeble and drunk and out of it. Yep. And he used the bombings as a pretext. He launched a second Chechen war, which turned out to be long and brutal, even more than the first war. Right. But it, 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 it was a fake story. The Chechens didn't bring down the apartment buildings. In fact, they, they, what they found, they found the materials from the bombs came from uh, an area that the Chechens would have no access to. Yeah. And so he staged it. You know how he's, he's telling his people in Russia now these are Nazis in Ukraine that are attacking Russian speaking Ukrainians, Russian ethnic Ukrainians. And that's the pretext for the invasion as far as a lot of Russian people know. So again, this is out of his playbook. He creates a fake attack or claims a fake attack to justify the brutality. And the public goes along with it because they don't know any better. But yeah, apparently the bomb that was found in the basement of one place that didn't blow up was made with hexogen, 
a military-grade explosive only available at one heavily guarded factory in the Ural Mountains to which Chechen insurgents would not have been able to get access. Yeah, there were no, there were no Chechen insurgents. It, it, was, it was Putin's crowd. Right. They did it. And that's what KGB guys do. He was a great KGB agent. And what they do is they have a fake cover story. Create a panic. Step forward as the hero to solve the problem. People adore you. You get promoted. You can, you can, then they want revenge against the evil Chechens who killed all those innocent people in the apartments. It's the exact same playbook. And what he did in Chechnya was the same thing. Killed lots of civilians. There was never an official investigation into the bombings, and Russian society as a whole just moved on. <laughs> and he and knew, Putin and became he, the man. And he knew that would happen. Because... Because the, the Russian investigators and journalists who tried to investigate the bombings often ended up dead. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's also his signature. We are, we are very silly, naive people. We don't, we, we, all these people who've been admiring Putin all these years and praising Putin, they think he's strong. He, he's a horrific, vicious beast. He's killed oh, yeah. thousands of innocent people. Men, women, children, ordinary people. He is one of the great monsters. He's probably the greatest monster of our time. One of the the successor to the KGB is called the FSB. One agent who turned defector was Alexander Litven, Litvienko. He was killed in London. They put radioactive poison into his tea. That's another signature Putin move. Mm-hmm. He does believe the apartment bombings were carried out by the FSB. See, all this stuff should have been widely known here in America. But we, we don't have a media that covers important things like that. They, they, cover, they cover woke news. The woke news has filled the entire news hole. And so we don't know that our greatest enemy, who's been plotting to suck us into this, he has, he has a plot. The stuff he's doing is to suck us in so that he has justification for doing God knows what to America. Because he wants he wants Russia to be the superpower. He wants the old days back and not only build up Russia to its old status, but knock down the United States. That's why he's been, you know, they've, they've been producing so much nonsense on social media with fake news sites, getting people to argue with each other, to divide people into tribes here in this country, to fight over, you know, woke garbage. It's, it's all part of the plan, and, and they're good at it, and it works because we're silly people. We're not serious people. We're foolish people. We are people. silly people. No, we are. We're, we're a foolish society, and eventually, if you're foolish long enough, you get your ass handed to you, and if they don't play this war right, that's what's going to happen. We're going to get our ass handed to us because we've, we've got a bigger military. We could blow him up more than he could blow us up, but he's smarter and ruthless. And he has well, his wits about it. If you have no rules at all. Yeah. Well, that's just it. Yeah. You're right. The, the guy, the, the craziest person who plays with no rules is going to set the tone. We're going to sit here and try to be reasonable. You lose. So we'll see. We'll see what works. All right. When we return, we'll talk about why the Russian army is probably bogged down. That huge convoy of military equipment, which apparently could stretch as far as 45 miles. 
is stuck, and there are some good reasons for it logistically. We'll talk about it next. John and Ken Show, KFI. John and Ken Show, John Cobell, Ken Shampo. It's KFI AM 640 Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. What will show the Russians and bring them to their knees? It just happened the other day. Netflix has suspended service in Russia. So Yeah, that'll and- show them. They have like a million subscribers there, and they're going to raise what, hell. I guess we've uh, we've now descended into virtue signaling with the corporations, right? If you can't get your streaming, you will knock down the government door. <laughs> don't you think? I just love how all these corporations uh, are, are just jumping on whatever the band, wherever the bandwagon's going these days, right? When well, Visa and uh, Mastercard are too. That could that could hurt people well, there yeah. in terms of spending and getting. You know, oh yeah. Sure. Transactions but, done. Know, Netflix isn't going to uh, change uh, Putin's mind. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, nice thought, though. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's talk about uh, the Russian invasion. There is an article in the National Review by Jim Garrity where basically he lays out how this will end. One of the following four things has to break. The Russian supply lines the Ukrainian ability to effectively resist or the Russian economy or the patience, I like the way he puts it, of some armed individuals around Vladimir Putin. So let's start with the supply line one because this one is a little interesting and people have wondered about that 30, 40 mile convoy of Russian military trucks and tanks and all that stuff that's been heading to Kiev for what seems like forever. There's a guy named Trent Talenko. He's a retired tactical analyst at the U.S. Defense Contracts Management Agency. And there's a blog where he has written about the logistics and the terrain challenges that Russian forces are facing. And he writes that the the head of this convoy, and for the first uh, dozen or so kilometers, that's you know, maybe seven, eight miles, they've been stuck there for eight days. And the Russians keep ramming more and more vehicles into this monster traffic jam. And he writes, this is the following the plan Soviet style routine. And I read about this the other day Uh, in, in the Soviet union years ago, um, their military protocol was you keep doing what you're doing until you get a different order from the commanding officer. It doesn't matter if it's not working, you keep doing what you're doing. Hmm. We're here in America we allow the on-the-field commanders to change the tactics and strategy depending on reality the on the ground. Is right. Yeah. But the Russians, everything was was top-down, and they're still doing it. So <laughs> they just keep sending more and more vehicles into the traffic jam. So now it's 40 miles long. So the ones that haven't moved in front of it are just sitting there, and they catch up, and then they sit there too. Then they have a season in Russia known as Raputitsa. That is the spring and the fall when either there's heavy rainfall or the snow melts and all the unpaved roads turn to mush, turn to oh, mud. I saw that. Yeah, it's Rasputitsa. Ra- yeah, Rasputitsa. I thought it was named after Rasputin. Uh, yeah, that's what I thought too. But I, but I looked it up and, yeah. and it, it's uh, just a Russian word for, you know, I guess quagmire. Everything, everything just sinks into the mud. And so these trucks... A lot of these are supply trucks. They're not all tanks. They're stuck on the roads and the shoulders, 
and they're three vehicles wide for 40 miles. And the fuel and resupply trucks can't move on the road, off the road to deliver anything to anybody. And they're running out of fuel and battery power. They can't go forward. They can't go backward. They can't go sideways. Everybody's stuck in the mud. Fuel's running out. The battery charges are running out. Soldiers are running out of food. Now, (laughs) if Ukraine had air power, that would be a pretty easy target to blow up, wouldn't it? Yeah. That's That's a shame because the Ukrainian army has to come and uh, destroy them while they're stuck in the mud. But... If you had anything overhead, you could easily, I mean, I'm sure they have surface-to-air missiles there as part of their convoy, but still, they'd be uh, they'd be a lot easier to pick that's, off if they can't move. That's why if we, get them, vehicles. if we can get them fighter jets, wow. it would be a big deal. So here's what the Ukrainians did, though. They opened the floodgates of reservoirs, and there's actually a photo of this. Oh, yeah? So they flooded the columns of tanks and trucks, and so it's impassable. It's like this gigantic bog now that the trucks are sink- sinking in. And it's probably going to stay that way till July or August. And there, there's a photo out there. There's probably several thousand Russian vehicles that will be lost forever. And hundreds of Russian soldiers could drown. Wow. If they don't get them out of there. One-fifth of the Russian force in Ukraine is now flooded or trapped and are basically out of the war. So this this is this is a huge failure. The success- can't they plod on by foot with their weapons? Well, you got to bring. If you the- can't move the trucks or the tanks or the. Yeah, but uh, you got to you got to bring the food with you and all the supplies. Yeah, and- that's supposedly they're having real supply problems because it. Oh, it- I didn't realize they were stuck in the mud. That's literal. That that's why we kept getting the reports. It's like they haven't moved. They haven't moved. Well, they're not going to move. Wow. Um. What what Russia is is winning with, especially in the south, is is uh, air firepower or these these surface missiles that they're firing from long distances, and that's right. what's devastating all the buildings and the homes. Wow! And then uh, you know the other the other components that Garrity writes about is uh, you know whether the Ukrainian. Ukrainians can keep resisting. Do they keep their will going? Do we supply them with enough weaponry, enough aircraft, you know, whatever whatever um, military uh, weaponry and artillery that they need? And that's part of the strategy of, oh, well, if we blow up some civilians, that could be a key to getting uh, the Ukrainians to capitulate because uh, if they suffer more civilian losses, that'll really strike at their hearts. What are we doing here? Uh, the third is the Russian economy. Third factor, and he says, uh, as of this hour, as of this writing, a Russian ruble will get you seven-tenths of one cent. The Russian bonds have been downgraded to junk status. And but so he supposedly th- had billions in reserves for a day like this, Putin, right? But half That's of that read last half, week. half of that was stored overseas. No, it's all frozen. That was another miscalculation. I, I don't really understand Putin. In the one hand, he seems like very cold-blooded and smart. And on the other hand, he seems just wildly reckless. Yeah, impulsive. I, I yeah. He, he acted as if there wasn't going to be any resistance from Ukraine or the Western world. And I, I don't understand that. Because when you play chess, you have to think, what is their move going to be? In fact, any kind of negotiation, any kind of battle, 
What's their move, right? You play football, you're on offense. Okay, what's their defense going to do? What does a coach do? He sits staring at film for seven days to try to decode the defense. You always have to, it's more important to know what the other guy is doing than, than what you're doing. And he didn't count on the entire world banding together to shut down the economy, and he didn't count on the Ukrainians to fight back? That's that's weird. Now, on the topic of the people around Putin, Igor Shushko, a former Russian race car driver, wrote on Twitter a translation of a long assessment from a source he characterized as an active analyst for the FSB, which was the successor organization to the notorious KGB. And supposedly Russian intelligence agencies are furious and fearing they're going to be scapegoated for bad decisions made by Putin and military leaders. Because, you know, that just like in our with Afghanistan, where, well, intelligence told us the Afghan army was going to hold up. Yeah. They probably thought, oh, the Ukrainian army will do the same thing as the Afghan army. They'll just run. But that didn't happen, did it? And uh, they said that if a Russian intelligence, even if their forces ever managed to occupy Ukraine, they will never pacify Ukraine and this source then says Putin may attempt nuclear blackmail to force the West to lift the sanctions, or he might even detonate a nuclear weapon on Ukrainian soil. Yeah, supposedly, the Russians have a lot more what they call smaller tactical nuclear weapons mm -hmm. that they could use. Right, to get a victory in the battlefield. Right. A localized nuclear weapon. The goal would be to scare everyone in the Western world mm -hmm. and back down. I yeah. Maybe he's not smart enough to even think of these things, but this is what's floating out there. All right, we got more coming up. John and Ken show, Deborah Mark has news, KFI AM six forty. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.